Welcome to Slight Reliability. Learning SRE one day at a time. I'm Stephen Townsend. Welcome back to Slight Reliability. I'm Stephen Townsend and this is the show where we talk about SRE and observability one week at a time. Today on the show, I have Anurag Gupta from Shoreline IO here to talk to us today about the reliability.org community. So hi, how are you going? Hey, I'm doing great. Nice to meet you. I thought to kick off today, could you give a bit of introduction about yourself, uh, your you know, sort of your career, and how you, you got involved in SRE, and uh, and also a little bit about about Shoreline. Sure. So my name is Anurag. I'm the CEO and founder of Shoreline.io, a company I really created to help to automate the repetitive, mundane things that. SREs deal with day to day and uh, give them time back so that they can do all of the creative, important work that needs doing, but we lack time for. Before this, I was at AWS for eight years where I ran database and analytics and grew it from a few thousand servers to several million servers. And, you know, the thing about databases, of course, is you can't just, when the database goes down, you can't just give somebody a new database. To work with, you kind of have to get them their data back. And so we used to ticket per database instance that went had an issue. So automation was really important to us in terms of uh, you know, just being able to sleep, you know, and um, learned a lot about how to do things there and also thought a lot about how to do things better. Before that, three startups. Uh, in the data space, mostly with uh, you know, a couple of uh, two exits, one IPO, and before that, I'm an old guy. Oracle back in the days when uh, uh, you know there were 20 people in the database kernel team at Oracle. It was a lot. Of fun. Very cool. Yeah. I think sometimes it's hard to know what's to automate and what not to automate. Do you, do you think it's important to simplify something manually first before trying to automate it, or it's just jumping in and automating an effective technique? No, you need to know what you're going to do, right? Uh, so, so the goal is really to debug something, you know, on a one-off basis. Maybe convert that into an automated runbook, which lets other people, you know, be as good as you were. Like everybody is the best, you know, is equivalent to the best SRE. You have fewer escalations. That's why you want to invest the time. But, you know, the thing about a runbook, when pe- people talk about that, but it's not actually, it's just a wiki. It's not runnable. But actually getting something that's runnable is a big deal. And then once, you know, like you find paths down that, that, you know, you just keep doing again and again, why is a human being involved? Just, to, you know, you just, you know, those, once you find those well-trod paths, automated away. I can't remember how I found out about reliability.org, but it's um, I'm really enjoying the Slack community. So I just was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how how that came about. What what's the goal? And uh, yeah, yeah. So reliability.org is a nonprofit, vendor neutral place where people can just talk with each other, learn with each other on how to design, build, you know maintain highly reliable systems. So 
my uh, take is is that you know you can go to school and get a degree in how to build databases, how to build you know compilers, how to do lots of things. There really isn't any sort of degree program in figuring out how to build highly reliable systems beyond you know like distributed systems kind of stuff, which is kind of okay. But you know we're really learning it from maybe a few books like Mal Murphy's in the community. He's obviously the godfather of SRE, but, you know, you know, we learn it mostly from bitter experience and that's pretty unfortunate, right? Because there is a lot of bitter experience before you know what you're, what to do the next time. And then new people come in as well and mess up your site. And so, you know, so I thought that if we could just connect people together, that'd be great. You know, for a while now I've been running a, uh, LinkedIn video channel where I just basically talk about stuff uh, in terms, you know, in generally around reliability and but other sort of top, you know, how to start a, a um, you know, how to build a startup, how to think about what to build, you know, all sorts of topics, but uh, really about reliability, but it's a one-way channel. And that's unfortunate, right? Because you get a few questions in, you answer them, but, you know, it's very different from having vibrant discussions. And so I thought reliability.org might be a place where people who care, uh, you know, can talk with each other and, you know, have access to experts and have, you know, also express their opinions without vendors coming in and saying like, oh, you know, what you need is this. My it just happens that exactly what you need is the tool I'm selling. I had uh, a while ago, Kyle Forster and Shay Stewart from Runway on, they were sort of talking about how companies like Facebook and Google, they have so many SREs internally that they have their own community yep. and they can not only leverage the community knowledge, but even leverage the tools and utilities that, that other people build as well. So there's a, there's a lot of you know of value in that. I know a guy in New Zealand, he's part of quite quite a big retail Type website um, company. He's the only ESRE in the whole company, oh so God. he doesn't have the luxury of a community. So yeah, I think I think it's fantastic having the chance to have a community with cross company collaboration. Have you? I don't know. Have you seen much of that before? I was going to say that you know when I was at AWS, every week everybody who kind of ran a service or you know ran operations for a service, we'd all pile into a room. And we'd look at the outages from the last week or the last, you know, month or whatever. And not because there are our outages, hopefully mostly there were not, right? There are a lot of services, but so we could learn so that, you know, you could follow the there, but for the grace of God, go I and, uh, you know, avoid it for yourself. Right. And it's a great learning mechanism to uh, improve without and, you know, I just miss that in some ways. And But exactly as you say, um, you know, you use a set of tools and technologies at a company and, you know, how much better is it to have access to everybody, you know, at Apple or Google or Facebook or Amazon to contribute in as well to the degree they're willing, right? So if you're an SRE and you want to collaborate, you have a question maybe, or you want to share something you're doing in your organization. 
how often do you think it will come up that there's some reason you can't share or the specifics or because of some legal or reputational uh, thing? Is there, is there going to be sort of barriers around people, you know, collaborating across companies, do you think, in a, in a, in a meaningful way? Absolutely. Yes. You know, I mean, uh, people are often very um, careful about, you know, sharing their dirty laundry, right? Uh, which is unfortunate, right? Because we've all got dirty laundry. And uh, I think that was the whole start of that blameless culture within companies. And I think as long as you uh, build a blameless culture across companies, it it's better. But, you know, I mean, we have all these communities for developers now, right? And, you know, where people go and they even search for answers to their questions before doing anything uh, on their own. You know, I wish that the same thing existed for uh, operating systems, you know, sorry, running systems as opposed to uh, building systems, but it doesn't, not really. And certainly not with a degree of expertise to it. It's very hard to separate the wheat for the, from the chaff on Slashdot or something like that. Yeah. Going back to something you said earlier, there's no university course for SRE or even from my experience, even operating operations or testing or anything except development. That was the only thing that I learned at university was how to develop, how to write code and maybe a bit about design of software. So, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff for testing. There's... There's just the sliver of stuff for like documentation and so forth. And there's no, essentially nothing for, uh, you know, like even doing IT work, you know, or except maybe at a community college. And there's absolutely nothing I can think of for how to operate systems, particular, I mean, particularly uh, operate your environments in a reliable way. So I'm my understanding, my interpretation is that SRE obviously started at Google quite a long time ago. It's spreading around the industry. It seems to be being interpreted in different ways by different people in different companies. Uh, I think that so I, like I don't want to be a gatekeeper either. Like you know, if someone I, I know quite a lot of people who were performance testers. That's the kind of background I had, uh, and they've they're now I'm an SRE, but they still mostly do performance testing in, in non-production environments and. I, I struggle to say, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's necessary because I feel like production is an important part of <laughs> of the equation here. But do, do you think that that's it's challenging when SRE is is being, you know, people are being given this title like you do SRE, but not actually changing? Do, do we need consistency? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, and it also feels like it's turning into a middle child, you know. The eldest child is DevOps. The middle child is SRE. Now the youngest child getting all the love is platform engineering. And so, you know, like I'm not sure that the labels are really that meaningful. My personal take is I want to avoid incidents. And so there's a lot of engineering involved in that. And I want to run the process when you have an incident better and I want to run the process of after I had an incident, preventing it in the future, way better, right? That's really how you make things better. It's basically one incident at a time. So that's actually why I think performance work is incredibly relevant because if you do that work well in dev environment or test environment, you can 
prevent things from happening in production, right? And so in that sense, I, I do think it's super relevant, but uh, yeah, we have a lot of labels out there right now, right? You know, it's just finally what matters is, you know, what's your uptime? How did, you know, how many incidents are you having happening? How often do you wake up at night? How much are you upsetting your customers and having to go on apology tours with them? You know, that's finally how you're measured, right? I never heard thought of that before. Sort of uh, uh, using incidents as the way to sort of to, to base your thinking around, you know, when they happen, uh, how, how do we how do we how they happen less often? How do we resolve them faster and, and less painlessly? And then how do we do something so in the future that there's much less chance of this happening and it's much easier to deal with? That's a it's quite a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, when I think about SRE or you know the general space of reliable reliability engineering, I uh, think it's kind of very similar to what was happening 20 years ago with QA. It used to be back in the day, you'd deploy software, you'd throw it over the wall to QA, a QA group, and they'd do whatever they do uh, over the course of three months before deploying. And that worked great when you were deploying once a year or once in three years, right? Like at Oracle or wherever. It didn't work very great when you're doing a deployment every 12 seconds uh, or even once a day or once a week, right? But that's the world we're in today. So, you know, how does that work? Well, you know, you have automated tests. It's moved back actually into part of, you know, the coding process is also writing these tests so that you can prove that it works. Does that mean we don't have QA people? Uh, of course you have still have QA people because that's the humanistic model of figuring out what does my customer want? Well, what will, you know, the test can't figure out that things are slightly off in some interesting way. That's why we have performance engineers still. And I think that's where SRE is going to go. The way I used to think about QA back in the day was what was the escape rate of bugs, of defects, right? And uh, I used to call them defects rather than bugs because defects are a problem I created, whereas bugs just happen, exist in the world. So I have to, you know, that was also a mindset change for me. And so... And then, you know, like you think about like, okay, I failed when the defect escaped into production. And so I think now as we think about incidents, it's a similar mindset to if I'm trying to engineer highly reliable system on not highly reliable infrastructure, the incident is kind of a defect that escaped. And so how do I learn from it? How do I prevent it in the future? How do I create a continuous improvement cycle? How do I ask other people who maybe encountered something on the best approach there? You know? So I live in New Zealand. Like we're, we are a small country. Uh, we have Austra Australia pretty close, a bit bigger. But in this part of the world, the, uh, unless there's a multinational, which is based around here, which is not that common, the scale of the workloads going through computer systems is is no nowhere like you'd see in North America or Europe or or China, you know, generally or India, but. It seems to me like the value of SRE is slightly different in that context. So I, I used to work for a very quite a large organization, thirty and a half thousand staff, uh, very complex systems, which are very very hard to operate. Like huge amounts of work just to keep these things running. Not a lot of load going through them though. And to me, it was less about like making the services more re reliable. Well, yes, but that's part of it. But more so about making operations easier, you know, streamlined, you know, cost effective. A more pleasant experience. Is, is that a valid 
Yeah, that's a way to interpret, right? Because you know, there's a, a customer perspective. Your customer doesn't really care if you're happy as an employee, right? They care if they're happy, and they're up. You care a lot about whether you know you're up in the middle of the night, and so, and you know how much work, how many steps it took you to do a deployment, to you know deal with a change, whatever it is. Um, so I think you know automation, um, other mechanisms are a big, big deal there. And finally, we're trying to get to you know. Uh, you know, the new buzzword in North America anyway is engineering efficiency, right? Because oh. we have fewer people. We want to, you know, people talk about doing more with less. You know, I actually think about doing less with less. Okay, I have fewer people. I need to do less. So I better make it sure it's the highest productivity things that they're doing, not the junk work. So I guess a form of doing more with less quality over quantity or yeah, exactly. the valuable thing over just stuff you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so going back to the reliability.org community this is something i'm quite excited about is that as a as a person who hosts a podcast and tries to go out and talk to people most often people who want to talk about reliability are from vendors because they're incentivized to talk about it i find it quite hard to find like practitioners who just want to share what they're working on for me, that's that's really interesting. That's what I want to want to hear about and talk about. Do you th- do you think that having a community like reliability.org will help bring those people out and give them a platform to? Yeah, I to really share? hope so. I mean, I'm not getting anything out of it. If anything, I'm putting some money into it, you know, out of my personal account. But um, you know, it's a 501c6, which basically means a nonprofit in the U.S. And um, but you know. There are lots of people who run conferences and so forth, but you know people aren't going to conferences every day, and you can't like put together all your questions and get in front of Mel Murphy on a conference, right? But uh, you can maybe get one. So the but you know if you have questions or you have opinions, even more so, I think you can debate them in a community on an everyday basis, just like you would on you know the various uh, communities that exist for developers. Do you think there's anything we can do to encourage practitioners in the community to share what they're doing or even not necessarily share, but even asking more questions? Yes. I think, you know, the early days of a community are certainly the hardest, right? Where it's kind of, okay, I joined this community. Uh, What's going on? Yeah, nothing. So I think what you just need to have is, a few anchor tenants uh, go and post like it's been great that you've been posting some of your work on, uh, you know, how to think about performance engineering and the sort of layers that occur in uh, like uh, response times for things when there are and how that's, in, you know, and I kind of responded back to that talking about how that affects P99 in the distributed system. And, yeah, I think, those sorts of engagements are the ones I find valuable, right? So I think we just need more of that. And, you know, there will be more of it inevitably, but we're going to have to tease it out of people. I just recently I asked uh, one of the admins to do some polling on there because it's easier for people to answer a poll as opposed to answer an opinion, you know, provide an opinion or introduce a question. But we'll get there. Yeah, I'm very confident that it's serving a need, you know, so if it's serving a need, it will 
become active. It's currently because I'm a, a part of a lot of Slack, uh, Slack, Slack channels and groups. Mm-hmm. It's currently the one I'm, I'm most, I'm already finding it the most interesting and, and I'm engaging with it more than anything else. So that's, oh, that's, a, awesome. that's a good sign. I'm super happy to hear it. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe someday we have a physical conference or create some tutorial things and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, first goal, get a thousand people on it, right? And have them chattering with each other. And that'll be in and of itself a huge uh, game. You, you and I are both people who, who speak about reliability and other, other things in technology. What could you say to someone who's, say, working in SRE right now or any kind of reliability work and they've never spoken, they've never published an article? What, what are the benefits of getting out there? Or, or they're, not, they're not part of a community even. So what do you think the benefits are of putting yourself out there? Well, I would say first you should join communities just to learn. But it's so much more valuable if you can start to offer your opinions and you will find that uh, it's not as scary to do so once you start doing so. Honestly, I hated and honestly still hate doing LinkedIn videos. You know, I do four every two weeks. Hate it. But, you know, people tell me that they really enjoy them. They're getting something out of it. So fine. You know, I just show up, wake up, start talking about something or the other. This is ephemeral stuff, right? It's not like writing a paper you're going to be associated with for your entire career. And even that's fairly ephemeral, right? Think of it like Twitter. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think there's something to be said about getting involved in a community to start with, you know, and then if you, if you are and if, you know, at any point willing to write an article, you know, write, write a blog or, or, go, or speak at a conference, there's some really nice conferences where you only have to speak like five minutes, for example, and in quite a safe environment online. Which one do you like? Which conferences? Yeah, like this sort of thing. Maybe, you know, like we should dig into that for the listeners. I, I like sort of practitioner-led community conferences personally. So I went to AWS reInvent last year for the first time. Like, wow, I mean, that's a spectacle. But for me, that's not a place I'm going to go and learn. I'm probably not going to make a lot of connections, uh, you know, in, the, in the, reliable, the, the area that I'm interested in. Something like SRECon, SLOConf, um, Back in the performance engineering days, we had some pretty awesome events um, where it was just practitioners who would meet a small group and share stuff with each other and then present to the world. Um, WAPA, the Workshop on Performance and Reliability, and uh, they used to be PAC, the Neotis PAC events. They were awesome. Yeah, that's the kind of events I like. How about you? Yeah, much the same. I mean, I tend not to have the time to go to a lot of things. When I go to things, you know, I, you know, it's just great to learn and find the new stuff that's happening out there. Ideally, shake up my thinking a little bit about some things because it's really easy to start to get, uh, you know, into a rut. Like, okay, here's how I solve X. Um, you know, maybe, but if it's being solved better now, you know, it's something to learn. That's fantastic. I only have one more question, uh, which is that I think generally online and in the industry we, we tend to gravitate towards discussing tools and technologies because that's you know black and white pretty clear you, you use it or you don't use it, it it's easy to understand and so it's like oh, it's satisfying because i can talk about this it's clear then we get to like practices and processes it's a bit fuzzier still talk about it a bit but then when it comes to culture change which i think is maybe the most valuable thing we could possibly talk about it seems very hard to discuss in a in a, in a 
sort of constructive way. Have you found that too? Have you got any advice or thoughts about that? You know, it's interesting. When I think about the SRE community in particular, I find it almost the opposite, that everyone wants to talk about culture and about processes, and no one actually wants to talk about how to reduce incidents. You know, they're like, oh, uh, we'll do hug ops here because, uh, you know, Datadog was down for 11 hours. Like, okay, what am I learning from it that I can apply in my thing so I'm not down? You know, I can give a hug to somebody, but, you know, so what? You know, I, I, I may be very much brass tacks oriented on that. I mean, I definitely understand that people are under pressure and, you know, they need some help or, you know, and it's a difficult time. And so I'm a strong believer in blameless cultures and a strong believer in how to do build things that are fact-based and metric-based rather than, uh, you know, data-driven uh, rather than, but that is, that is a culture change I strongly support. And, you know, as I, same way I support mechanisms like, and I think, but I do think we can learn from the world around us. Like, I did a recent video, I'm not sure it's out yet, on the train derailment we had in East Palestine, Ohio. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to learn from it. Uh, but, you know, what I learned most is a bunch of people pointing fingers because there are red facts and blue facts. You know, we, you know that those are the colors of the parties here. And, you know, that's unfortunate, right? It doesn't actually help the, prevent the next train derailment. But there are things that would that I can learn from. I think that's fascinating. The fact that yeah, that, that we, it's easy to uh, associate culture with just good feelings, and we're, we're going to support each other. But I, I, you can absolutely, I think, have a culture which which is you know we're not going to blame anyone, but something bad has happened, and the culture is we all have curiosity about about going in and figuring out what happened and, and how to you know prevent this from happening in the future like for me that's a good culture that sort of rigor like sure blamelessness but rigor around we and, and and wanting to be excellent i absolutely agree the other thing that i think is really important as a takeaway there you know like the reason often that we have problems is because people want to reduce their costs and it's like if you've got something that's happening one in ten thousand times like 99.99 but, you know, taking you out for a day or, you know, like spewing chemicals on uh, in near a town. It happens mostly because people are like, you know, let me push the envelope a little bit here. And so part of rigor for me is helping people understand the probability of something occurring, the probability it occurs someplace where it's, you know, populated or where it's going to cause significant damage. Because even most incidents, they don't really damage anything, but they could, you know, and then um, figuring out, you know, like, okay, those are the, what are the costs, even if they're rare? Because as human beings, you know, we're kind of grounded in the one, two, three, many model. We don't really understand how to think about things out of what that happened one in a thousand, one in 10,000 times, or even more infrequently, but... Once we run large fleets, it's a big deal. Before I close, like close off and stop recording, is there anything else you wanted to cover or mention? I guess the one thing I talk about there is um, I think you can really build a virtuous cycle or a vicious cycle with reliability or its lack. The vicious cycle is 
you have to keep the site up. You didn't do a great job. You have a lot of tech debt. And now people start leaving. And so now the weight is being borne by yet fewer people. And yeah, that cycle gets really bad. Eventually, you aren't doing any innovation because everyone is getting thrown into just keeping the lights on. That's the vicious cycle. The virtual cycle is exactly the opposite. Each week, I try to get rid of 1% of my issues. So that's about finding out what is the biggest bang for the buck, you know, and what is easiest. And then, you know, just sort of tracking that forward. And over the course of the year, mathematically, right, you get to half the number of incidents or 40% of the incidents, right? And that's, that's awesome. And people want to move from your team compared to the other team that's getting worse. It's again, discipline, rigor, applying engineering discipline into this, not just firefighting, but also fire safety. And just as we've done successfully for quality, just as we've done successfully for security, just as we've done successfully for performance. Does it mean that all those problems have gone away? No. But we, are they the same as they were 20 years ago? No. They're a lot better. Thank you so much, um, Anurag, for chatting today about the reliability.org community. Um, and just for anyone out there who wants to to get involved, can, how, how do they get involved? How do they join the community? Uh, you go to you know reliability.org and then you uh, press a button and it's you join the Slack community and then you, know, you tell us a little bit about yourself and off you go, you know, and, you know, ask your questions, offer your opinions. Uh, it's easy. Yeah. And I, and I will say, yeah, definitely join if you are at all involved, involved in this kind of work. It's been great so far. Very engaged. And it's only going to get better as more people join. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. Thank you once again. And, uh, and this is the end of another episode of Slight Reliability. And I will see you all in the next week or two. 